Hey, welcome to the Blue Line Podcast. Adam Wilde, Sasky Stewart, and from Sportsnet and many other things, Faisal Kamisa. Thanks so much for coming in. Man. Thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to this. So you are, uh, you're one of the, and, and you'll never admit to this because you're way too humble, but you're like one of the up and coming stars in, in sports broadcast. I know? don't know about that. Like up and coming, See? sure, yeah, because yeah, like, I, get, I consider like, myself young. That's a title that you generally give people that are young, so I'll take that. Yeah. But I wouldn't say star or anything, but... I'm, I'm doing my thing. Well, We're doing our okay. thing. Yeah. Hey, Just I see you on my TV an awful lot of the time. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I watch, apologize for that. I don't that, watch but. a lot of TV, so <laughs> that's got to be saying something for like the percentage of time you are there. Well, he does host every show. Yes, I've and noticed that. There is a lot of... I get a lot of my sports news from you. Well, I'm you're like, welcome. And, and I'm sorry at the same time, but no, it's cool. I'm getting to do a lot of things, which is amazing, mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, it comes with being tired a lot, but the sacrifice, oh. I mean, the trade-off for that is being on your TV all the time. Yeah. And so I'm cool with that for yeah. sure. I think there's kind of an assumption with uh, I, I, with with hockey is that you were going to be tired from September to whenever it finishes. Yes. And you might get a month or two to kind of get some sleep and recover. Um, and then it starts again. Yeah. I imagine for you, it would just be like, so there's hockey, right? Around. And then there's basketball, yeah, and then there's baseball, and yeah, then there's, and there's football, and there's and soccer, and then there's and golf, and then there's this, and then there's that, and yep. the Olympics come every couple of years, and the World yep. Cup comes every couple there's years, rugby, and so there's just yeah, no, and if, yeah. and if you were short on something, they would find. Of course something. they would. No, yeah. of course they would. But again, that's cool, right? Because I get to do a little bit of everything, right? It's not just focusing on one sport or one subject or one show. It's it's and diverse, and which I like. It challenges me to, challenges me to do different things and uh, expresses myself in different ways as well. And as I say about like. Like what we also do, I mean, all of this beats having a real job. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. we work it's long hours and it's hard work, but God, it's fun. Well, and you were talking about just before we got on the air, uh, you, you at the time of this recording, you were in, you had you you know a week or two removed from being in Dunedin for mm. the Blue Jays spring mm. training, and what was interesting about that is you talked about you know those are long days yeah. and you're mm -hmm. hoofing it to other minor league facilities yeah. or not minor league facilities but training training camps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then in the middle of that, you 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 had to cover an indie race. So mm. you got the weekend off, but no, you don't because no. you got. And then you were covering tire, a Tiger Woods golf yeah, tournament. Yeah. So the indie race was on the final Sunday I was there, and Tiger was on the final Sunday I was there. So we did the indie race, did the story, which was a crazy story about a Canadian making his debut in IndyCar, leading the race for ninety-eight point nine percent of the race, and then getting clipped on the second to last lap, and then essentially finishing last or eighteenth or whatever. Did that story, an emotional one, a tough one, like. Uh, he was very animated and very emotional after when we spoke to him. And then it was like, all right, put that out of your head. You're going straight to golf. Tiger might win for the first time in forever. And so we get to Tiger when he's on 17, hits this crazy putt to get himself one back of the lead. And we're waiting on 18 because now that's the new story. And so uh, we're watching Tiger putt to try to get to a playoff on 18, and he misses by whatever it was, oh. a couple feet. And the uh, the roar of the crowd, like the crescendo and then decrescendo after the putt was rolling to when it missed was unlike anything I had ever heard before. It was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool trip in itself to start with the Blue Jays, uh, revolve into Indy, and then end with golf, and then go home exhausted. But uh, it was pretty cool to look I back at it, right? I bet you slept all the oh. way home on that plane. <laughs> I, I can't sleep on planes. Oh. I, can't, I travel oh, a lot, and oh, I cannot no. sleep I, on planes yeah. for my life. See, I'll, yeah. I'll share some of my ability to you. I can go to Australia on a 15-hour flight and sleep for 13 of those hours. Nice. I'm with yeah, you. I'm I can sleep yeah. anywhere. I can sleep right now. Yep. Right here. I, I lounges, <laughs> lounges, corners, yep. back seats of cars, buses. Got it. Yeah. We're good. So bed. Like, that's it. Really? Like, that's it. Now, really? Oh, are you like no. a I mean, bed's great. Don't sure, right. That's like the standard, but right? If I stop moving, I'm asleep. Now, are you, are you like blackout curtains? Uh, so, like, so it's interesting because I grew up 
when I was a kid, like I have two sisters, so I moved to my basement in my house pretty quickly yeah. because they occupied the upstairs and did their thing, and I didn't want anything near that. So I went to my basement <laughs> where it was just dark all the time. Yep. So I'd wake up with no concept of what the day was like and what yep. life was like outside right now, right? And then when I moved downtown after work started and stuff, I obviously had more light. And when mm -hmm. you're in a condo downtown, the light just kind of glares in. So uh, I, I mean, I, I live in a basement. Sure. So, so there you go. You yeah. got it, right? And I'm so like, I theoretically know it's daytime outside, <laughs> no. but in here, in here, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. I enjoy the dark. So I, I don't like that the sun is always like <laughs> glaring into my place because really? it wakes me up and I feel it. I enjoy being in the dark okay. more than I'm not, like, more than not, which is ironic because I'm always under lights. But yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. this does make you sound a little bit like a vampire well, well we, uh, we live near each other yes we, we do we we you know because we both work live you know work in the same building that's attached mm -hmm. at, at our other jobs and and are across across the street and then so i'll, I'll watch Faisal like walking by my building from time <laughs> to time and it's amazing but those Say buildings high, they're man. the typical downtown toronto condos yeah. all glass sure. right exactly and that's exactly. that's the problem i find is that i'm a big sleeper but in the morning, the sun is right in my right on my eyeballs. And if it's not the sun, it's the construction. And if it's not the construction, it's the honking on like the, yeah. the, the like major intersections. So, like, if you do not live in Toronto, when you are listening to this broadcast, let us just caveat all of this with Toronto is a fabulous, amazing oh, city, and yeah, none of yeah, us are yeah. leaving it. Yeah, it beats the just hour sometimes. and a half drive <laughs> every day that I used to make, and so um, the two yeah. minute walk is really yeah. it's yeah. worth the pain and noise that comes in in Absolutely. the mornings. So, yeah. so where I'll did you that. grow up? So I grew up in Mississauga, and um, I was born. I mean, I was born in Toronto and moved there when I was six months old. So I have no recollection, obviously, of uh, Toronto. So I moved to Mississauga. My parent, my family moved to Mississauga when I was six months old, and uh, grew up there essentially my whole life until I went to university in London, Ontario. Went to Western, uh, came back, which I'm sure you had no fun doing. No, that I heard place that people do not have fun. Bore at boring, man. I'm not a big <laughs> out going out guy. Um, but you can find ways to have a lot of fun at that place without having to go out, right? The city is just electric and fun all the time, so that was great. Uh, but when I came back from London, I lived in my parents' house again while I did sports broadcasting school in, in Mississauga. And when I got my job, I eventually moved downtown. So born and raised in Mississauga, repped the 905, uh, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. But now I'm slowly acclimating to, like, the 6, the <laughs> 416 and the 647 side of things. In my head, like, Scarborough, Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton, Mahakam are all just... Toronto because right. like I just knew it as that and in Australia big cities generally don't divide out they just call the whole area yeah. one thing well and that's when we were growing up I mean that was something that they did they 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 called it the they used to call Toronto the mega city yeah. because they it it, it it Scarborough was a separate city and Thornhill I think was a separate city in Richmond it was like you know they're all they're all part now they're just neighborhoods now but scarborough was its own city when mm -hmm. i was growing up and i remember there was a scarborough city hall and a mayor for scarborough and, and I, well, they're might, real they places might have to do it right again. like they're real places and so yeah. i think yeah. that yeah, yeah that's I, why right? i lived yeah. in scarborough for a year yeah. and a half yeah. Yeah. it's oh, a yeah, real yeah. place it <laughs> is and and it's uh it's funny because it's it it does it's when you when you go there now as an adult it doesn't feel like that far away but yeah. i don't know how, how you true. felt growing up in Missouri. it felt like Downtown Toronto felt like a oh whole my world. God. It felt like a vacation. It really did. Like yeah. the driving, the the highway, like the big lights on the on the highway and the gardener and stuff. It felt yeah. really, really cool. And now it's like, can these cars hurry up because <laughs> I need to get out of here, you know? Like what are we doing here, you know? I yeah, need to go see my parents. Yeah, yeah. I need Boston. to get food, you know? Like hurry up. So you grew up with two sisters. Are yes. they your only siblings? Yes, only siblings. Older? One older, one younger. So okay. I was a middle boy, uh, which, you know, often led to 
no attention because <laughs> I try to mind my own business. They're right. fighting over hairbrushes and this and that. Yeah. And just I'm over just here like doing my thing. Sitting in the basement, you know, like eating pizza pockets or something. I don't know. Like That sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> it's not bad. I, I could, I could live that way now. It actually, <laughs> sounds great. Uh, what What is it? What is it? The, the sports moment for you yeah. that you were like, okay, I, I really love this. And it's not... It's not just, you know, I'm a passing fan. I really want to be involved with this. I don't know if there's one moment that, like, really, really sticks out. To my parents' credit, like, they put my sisters and I in everything growing up. So be it sports, and I played everything. I played hockey. I played soccer. I uh, played baseball. I played basketball. I swam competitively. I swam provincially for a very long time. I figure skated. Like, But that wasn't it. Like, there was... I did musical theater. I did piano. I played the baritone forever. I did public Everyone speaking classes and, and like musical theater, yeah. including yeah. us. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we, we've discussed that. We've had several discussions yeah. about musical theater. I was so Linus in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and had to do a dance with a blanket, and it's on VHS somewhere. No and way. It always gets shown when Why people are. Why is that on not on YouTube? Yeah, Come yeah. On. Thank God for my parents' <laughs> lack of knowledge on how to convert VHS <laughs> to anything call them digital. After this. Oh God, <laughs> there's some embarrassing video. I think you singing. Oh, I was in a band. It's on YouTube. There's uh, yeah, me singing at at the opera house cool and i was terrible it's on youtube it's yeah on it's on youtube, YouTube. <laughs> gonna mentally safe mentally bookmark yeah, that for later to mention it. you got one it over on hey, door. it's true uh yeah so, so i'm trying to think of like the, the moment moment but i don't think there was one right i think when i i was skating I, I kid you not i was skating when i was like a year old like i was on the ice when i was a year old my dad was like holding me on the ice and stuff and my parents, who are like immigrants, they've they come from East Africa here. Like to their credit, they learned and acclimated to this place and this country as quickly as they could, so that my sisters and I could have an opportunity to do whatever we wanted. And so I was on the ice when I was so young, and I guess just being around that environment at a, at such a young age just made me so addicted to hockey. And I played hockey forever, and um, it was it was the best thing for me. I played road hockey, street hockey, like ice hockey, roller hockey, whatever. Mini sticks to, hockey, hockey in a basket it, with my hand, at, like you know, just <laughs> slap shotting with my hand and stuff in my house. And so, um, any association I could have with that sport when I was younger was was amazing because I, I just loved it. So, I don't think there was a moment per se, but so I think was, a lot was, of things built up to just loving it. Was hockey right first? It was hockey first, yeah. Wow, yeah, okay. And yeah. and then because I know, I know you're huge. Like as much as you can be a fan, mm -hmm. I know you're a huge basketball Absolutely. fan. Absolutely, well. yeah. When did the when did the Raptors kind of kick it in for you? Yeah, so when the Raptors uh, became a team, right? I guess now twenty plus years ago, right? Um, I guess I was like I was an eight year old kid, right? And so I was playing basketball at the YMCA in Mississauga, like where I played recreational basketball, and they, we had an opportunity to get tickets to a game through the program there. So my parents were like, okay, cool, we've never done it, let's just get tickets to a game. And we missed the deadline by a day, and like I like, cried or like begged the guy to like let me get tickets, and somehow they got us tickets, and we went to the game. Uh, they were playing Vancouver at the time, which was still a team, wow. right? So it was like a all-Canadian matchup, and my parents ever, again, like the immigrant lifestyle and like the kind of backwards like you know, mindset were like, all right, fourth quarter, they're up by like four, we gotta leave, we gotta beat traffic, we gotta beat traffic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Let's go, right? Let's go. Uh, and so we beat traffic, and then I got home the next day, and like it was an overtime game. And I read the I'd read the sports page every single morning, and it's not the same right now. Like you can go on my phone and figure out what's going on and whatever, get an alert when the game is done. But no, I wake up every morning. My parents, my dad would go to work, leave the sports section of the paper for me because he knows I would read it every day, and I would read it. And I'm like, oh my god, mom, we missed overtime game. Like they were in overtime, and what are we doing? And from then on, I just followed the Raptors to make sure we didn't miss anything else like ever going on. So it really started in that first season. And I've been in love with them ever since. I think culturally, um, I think I, I, they're more relatable to me than than uh, than the Maple Leafs now, just because it's it's a it's a really different sport, right? It's a really I think it's it's really uh, 
you know, it, it, it caters to a lot to the minorities. It, it's mm-hmm. got a very yep. different Perfect. crowd and, and a very fun, raucous crowd. Not to say the Leafs don't, it, no, it, they no. really do, but we know that there's the an association crowd, with yeah. the crowd with them versus the Raptors. Sure. And I, I think I fall more into that crowd. Not to say I don't love both, but uh, as I got older, the Raptors became like the team that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I cape for, I guess, more. Well, and, and, you know, in loving the Raptors and loving the Leafs, especially, you know, growing up, in our, in, even into our early 20s, there's there was there were some really lean times. Yeah, I mean, you remember Chris Bosh leaving. You remember Matt Sundin well, retiring Vince and then coming first, out of right? Vince, Vince first. first. Yeah, that was I, I, that might have been. I mean, w- watching Doug Gilmore get traded was heartbreaking, but <laughs> I don't think I was old enough to really get it as <laughs> much. And <laughs> I love Doug Gilmore. But Vince Carter getting traded and wanting to leave was one of the first that hurt. real heartbreaking moments. That hurt. As a kid, that hurt, right? Yeah. And like, so I why don't post- you want to be I here? Why don't you love us? And I had the posters. I had the hockey wall, and then I had the basketball wall. And the oh. basketball wall was like Vince everything, right? And there was like a Vince Carter from Sports Illustrated poster. It was like oh. a Vince Raptors dunk poster and everything. And I was like, <sighs> they don't make what do I do? Posters. Sorry, they don't do, do they? No, not no. the way that is up. And it just made me think of like uh, the other day I saw an article and it was discussing, you know, the last of the great sports posters, posters right? And how well people nowadays can design these incredible things that are magnificent and, and wonderful. And we don't put them on our walls. Yeah, kids do not print them out and stick them on their walls. You know where they the are now, right? Like they're on their they're on their phone backgrounds yeah. now, and that's that's the new poster yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. Or they're on Twitter, or they're on Instagram, or something, because yeah. that's the new wave of of yeah. I guess showing your affection for for what's going on, yeah, which no is one crazy. Can see your posters. Yeah. Whereas everyone can see your social media. Yeah. yeah. So funny story. So I, I wasn't like a dramatic. Like I was a dramatic kid, yes, but like I wasn't. I wasn't uh, like we a, 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 gonna rip children. these posters <laughs> off my wall. But I was gonna be. I was like gonna just take them down nicely and organize. And uh, I tried to take like the Vince one down, and like the paint of the wall kind of came off with it. And my parents got upset at me for doing that. So I took one down, and then the rest stayed. And there's this like chip of paint that I think is still on that wall right now. So you had to stare at Vince Basically Carter. Basically, had to stare at Vince for a heart. very long yeah. time. Yeah. See, I have a story like that. My brother and I got into a scuffle one day when my parents were out someone fell into a chair and the chair <laughs> went through the wall and mum and someone. dad were out yeah so my brother fell into a chair uh having been assisted into the chair by myself <laughs> and the chair went through the wall and left a hole in the wall and we mm. were like what do we do you know what we do posters yeah so we hiding. literally just started postering <laughs> over this hole in the wall and covered ended up covering like most of the wall and i moved out of home maybe six years later and left everything on the wall. <laughs> my mum took it all down and of found course. this found the giant hole. hole in the wall. I was just like, "What happened? What? <laughs> What's happened here?" Yeah, yeah. So you you uh, you you watch Vince Carter going, yeah. but they had Chris Bosh. They did, and that was so okay. I was like, "All right, cool. Next, let's go." Right. And then Chris, you know, and then they <laughs> have that successful season with him. Where, I mean, they won the division, mm-hmm. or, didn't they? They didn't finish mm-hmm. first in the conference. No, though. they didn't finish first in the conference. They've never done that. No. Maybe Mark knock well, on marble. Knock on marble. Knock on marble. Thing we do. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got uh, it right. Uh, uh, but they they were a good team, right? They, the they were good airs, again, right? This, that that will be. <laughs> yeah, we'll <exactly>. know. <laughs> we'll know. Cool. But yeah, so, you know, there's Sam Mitchell and you know Jose Calderon and all those, and it was kind of like wow, like these guys sort of surprised. Yeah. And that kind of helps you re-fall in love. And then, you know, a couple years later, Chris Boss decides not to play the last 10 games. And then he leaves for Miami. And, and then it's like, they always what do you do? Like, they always leave. Yeah. They always leave is the point, right? <laughs> and they always leave. And that's, how uh, that's what makes this iteration of the Raptors so different because they have two all-stars that stayed. That yeah. They just yeah. stayed. They're like, no, we're going to do this here. And they're kind of doing it here right now. And, and having seen it as, you know, the Raps being your number one team, when you when you saw DeMar re-sign, mm-hmm. uh, 
and you know he has a tattoo on his hand. I think it's loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that mean for you? Well, it wasn't that he even resigned. It was that he didn't take a meeting with another team. Like he was gonna be, uh, you know, suited by you know at least a couple teams. Right, the Lakers were looking home. for that star. Right, exactly. Could have gone home, but it said something about what was happening in Toronto, not just sports-wise, but culturally as well, right? We had the uh, inception of Jurassic Park and, and the fans and the visuals of that being shown all around the world, basically, yeah. right? And uh, if you're a player, it's hard to leave that, right? It's hard to leave that love and loyalty that you get from a fan base. And so, uh, I mean, the money didn't hurt. He was always going to get more from and Toronto, like, but these Toronto guys were going to get their great. money. Yeah. These guys were going to get their money no matter what, right? So when everyone says, oh, the Raptors could offer more money, that's fine, but they'll find a way to you know, make up the money at some point some endorsement or whatever right but i don't know it it just showed that like yeah like this city is finally kind of made it in that sense right instead of stars leaving there are people that want to play in this city yeah and you know maybe you're not signing the most marquee you know unrestricted guys to come join them but you have two guys that you can build around and that's pretty good in itself so let's try to make this work and to the credit of the management of that team like they're doing it and what's you know it's been interesting too because the the, the mark, I think, of the Raptors in the last two or three years is the stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the thing that they were known for is their instability. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, since Masai has come on, really, I, I think it was him, um, there is a, a stability that teams like Cleveland, teams like even Boston, um, uh, you know, other, other lesser teams, and not, not to say, no, I'm not saying about the Celtics or the Cavaliers at all, but those are teams with absolute superstars yep. who are expected to finish yep. one and two, yep. right? And they have seen nothing but controversy. It's true. All season long, it seems like those two teams have revolved around injuries or problems or, I mean, mm-hmm. especially Cleveland. Like, it's problem after problem after problem after problem after problem after problem after problem. Preventable things. Like, it's, it's not like it was like a ba- bad injury like Gordon Hayward. No, but it was, right. It was, it was like internal things that, that happened, you know. And uh, the Raptors, you don't hear a lot of that with this team. In fact, you don't hear any of it. It seems like it's a group that likes and respects each other which is the word like i think is key the respect because if there's a problem they'll just figure it out you know they'll talk it out they'll try to hash it out in in a professional way and figure it out on the court it seems like all the drama in cleveland is more soap opera stuff than basketball and if you're a team and your fan base especially if you're toronto trying to catch those teams in terms of respect that's the last thing you want to hear cleveland can probably get away with it because they have lebron james and that guy is pretty good and his reputation <laughs> speaks for itself <laughs> I've heard. obviously I, I mean lebron lebron kind of good kind of good uh <laughs> but if you're a team like the raptors you're fighting for that respect not just here obviously but you, you know south as well together. right so you got to get it exactly yeah, that's yeah. a great Completely. way to put it yeah so um uh, as a as a you know a broadcaster and you, mm. you jumped in you obviously went to to sports broadcasting you get mm. you get signed on with Sportsnet um, and you've seen in the last five six years um, you know with Drake being a, a global ambassador for the Raptors you've seen the Leafs you know pulling a guy like Austin Matthews who is an American and a is global the, ambassador for the Leafs yes a global ambassador <laughs> for you know Canada's kind of biggest is. team yeah arguably yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and you see a, a multicultural element come to this city because yeah. it used to be i mean like even growing up it was almost like french canada was different <laughs> and we don't want to yank on our team like i heard i actually like heard canadian people say oh we don't want americans playing for the leafs no we want canadian guys and now it's, it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore and i wonder what you've seen because you're the one who you're, you're right up close mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. covering the last five years what have you seen well it's interesting because i spoke to all the maple leafs this year at 
uh, media day, right? I, I got a chance to <laughs> yeah. talk to all of them. I remember running into you yeah. at media day, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "I have a fidget spinner." <laughs> yeah, that, that was my thing. To be honest, we can talk about like, that in a second if you great. want. We need to. We will. Yeah, we will. Um, and I just asked them, you know, what their perception of Toronto is. Yes, there are some guys that grew up in and around the city, so obviously, you know, they're happy to be here. But the guys like Austin Matthews, the guys like Frederick Anderson, the guys that don't have an association they with the city other than being on this mm-hmm. team now, and they're like. No, we love the city. Like we, this is like home. You know, it feels so big and so diverse. And I think when you're a Toronto Maple Leaf, there's a star cachet that comes with that, whether you're good or bad or in between, right? And so, to have a big player needs a big city, in my in my opinion. And so, this city is a perfect match for guys like Austin Matthews and William Nylander and and Mitch Marner and and the iteration of this team because they're going to be big, right? Mm-hmm. Like win or lose playoffs, this city is going to be captured. It's going to be blue, and yep. anyway, other days it's going to be red, but like yep. the majority, with all due respect to the Raptors, is still going to be blue, right? And so um, it, it, I think they find it pretty cool that they can walk around and uh, not only like get the love from, from the fans, but also just get the respect from, from them as well and, mm-hmm. and kind of go about and do their thing. So it's pretty cool to see the evolution of Toronto as a sports city because you know it was a few years ago that I think it was ESPN. They put out an article saying the worst sports fan bases or like the unluckiest or the whatever it was. City. Toronto was the last place one. And since then, you know, the Blue Jays have made the ALCS twice. The Raptors are one of the most consistent teams in the league. The Leafs are now, you know, on the way to becoming one of the most dominant teams or at least one of the more threatening teams in the league. And Toronto FC is out here winning championships. The Argos have won again. And, uh, you could look at different like tennis is cool from this city. Like we have two guys mm-hmm. from this city that are popping on the world tour as well, you know? And, it's it's like the place to be in the sports world right now. And if you don't know, then it's your fault. If you're not listening in the States, that's fine. We'll take it for yeah. ourselves and, yeah. and enjoy we, it. We kind of don't need you to listen. Yeah, the gardener, yeah. The gardener is bad enough, so you can, you can stay away. But uh, <laughs> if you're in this city, it's so hard. QEW. It's so hard not to be excited about the growth and, and the I guess the growth that's to come as well, because I think this yeah. is still just the start. I think and this is just the start. I think if you love sport in the way that obviously all three of us love sport Mm -hmm. across the breadth of sports that are available i mean i've i lived in uh, melbourne Mm -hmm. for several years and that's one of the best sports cities in the world with with what happens there and what you can do see and do on a regular basis and toronto rivals that as one of the best places in the world to see any sport and every sport and i'll argue big and small i'll argue even if you don't love sport it's hard not to like it at least in April, you know? It's yeah. hard not to yes, fall yeah. for yeah. what's going on in April yeah. or in October if the Jays are, you know, the whole, like, like the, the feeds, like the Instagram feeds, the Facebook feeds are filled with, you know, those, you know, coming out sports fans that just show up in the playoffs mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, like, look at all these bad records. I'm like, no, man, like, get let's all on. get on this. Like, let's all be here, <laughs> you know? So because everyone has, it's true. you know, like, if you don't love sport, you probably have a friend that loves sport yeah. and their enthusiasm yeah. is infectious for you. And every time people are like, oh, we don't need more people on the bandwagon. Yes, no, we do. Let's all, let's all be stressed together. Right? Let's all eat more pizza together. Yeah. You know? Let's clutch our drinks a little tighter because, yeah, it's you tense, know, you know? What's wrong? And what's wrong with it? Because yeah. it's like, oh, you love the, the Maple Leafs or sport for like two or four or six or eight weeks of the year sweet that's better than, better zero, than weeks. zero weeks yeah. i am all here for that <laughs> because you like you want to come in you go full ball you go ham for it great maybe next year you'll come back for the full sure season. yeah just don't touch my fidget spinner while i'm using no. it you know okay, like so that's what, the stress okay, right no, no, did you actually look, have look, one okay this okay is yes great. so this i did so good Please. i'm like sitting there 
and he just kind of wanders in, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" I think I this was like, "This was you the a, interaction." You had, by a, the way. you had a really great suit on. I had a suit wild on, suit right. on. It looked it like a picnic was table. So good, and I was wearing 27 coats because I was sitting right beside the rink, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Like, I knew that you were coming in to obviously do interviews, and you were like, "So I have a fidget spinner." Yeah, and I'll let you. <laughs> I literally had a fidget spinner. So why did you get one? <laughs> well, and where did you? I'm get a one? child, so I have. Okay, one. So you can get them <laughs> everywhere. You can get okay. them everywhere. So I had. I had. But was it a legit one or was it one of the ripoff? No, it was a legit one. Like okay. this one had like the, the proper weight. weighted so ones, yeah, exactly. Greased wheels and everything. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, all okay. good, all good. Uh, <laughs> it's broken now, actually. Now that I think about it, but it's been a long time. So, um, leading up to that media day in the off season, there was a Austin Matthews picture where he was holding a fidget spinner yeah, in his hand, right? And he just kind of casually had it in his hand. And Mitch Marner's commenting about it, and people are the memes are flying no one about it. Would have it. noticed if Mitch Marner hadn't commented about it's it. It's true. You're think. absolutely right, by the way, and because. I'm trying to be different in the way that I do these interviews. I'm like, I got to find a way. To, my goal was to try to, you know, have fun with them. Like, it wasn't like a normal media yeah. day interview where it's like, oh, yeah. how do you feel about the season? How do you feel about this? It was about, hey, do you like pizza or do you like burgers? Or like, how come you like wearing Yeezys all the time, you know? Or like, what's your yeah, streetwear you, you of choice, you know? You didn't ask the same 27 questions that no, have been asked all no, the time. Right. Like, and, and that's that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but I figured for the last couple minutes, what I would do was, well, call out the fidget spinner. So I had this thing in my bag. I pull it out, and I'm like, hey, so I have this fidget spinner. And Altus is like, oh, here we go. And I was like, so look, like, no, we're going to try to do this a little bit differently, okay? So I gave him a fidget spinner. I'm like, I'm going to ask you as much rapid-fire questions as I can. You're going to spin it, and we're going to stop asking questions when it stops, and we're going to make this a competition between you and everybody else that I give this to. So he started, and I asked him some questions. and nothing that, like... The key to a good interview is inciting competitiveness. It's true. Between with, hockey players. With kids, they right? are like, so competitive. And, 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 you know, when I got to, like, Mitch Marner, he was like, so did I, did I like, beat him? Or, like, did I beat anybody <laughs> and stuff? And I was like, no, I think you did pretty well. And, and I asked him to, like, and I asked Mitch Marner if he knew any, like, fidget spinner tricks. And he's like, yeah. I could like balance it on my nose. So there's like a video of him trying to balance a fidget spinner on his nose. It didn't work. He couldn't do it in the moment. I guess the, pre <laughs> the pressure kind of got to him, but he, uh, it, it was fun. And Patrick Marlowe, he has all the boys, like all the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I asked him, have you ever used it? He's like, no. So he's like spinning it. It's not a good spin. Didn't get a lot of questions in, man. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, it, it was kind of well received. It was, again, it was a little different. I want a compilation of all of that at some point. I'm hoping that, you know, we're able to put it together, but. Uh, I thought it was just a fun way to bring up something that was relevant and, and yes. topical at, at some point yeah. in the summer and mm -hmm. try to bring a new angle to it and have some fun mm -hmm. with it. And yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. We did a really fun one that day that uh, was meant to be part of our Club Maple Leafs program. Like, I don't think it ever kind of got pieced together, but we had a like cartoon drawings oh, of yeah. all of the players that were done um, by... Uh, by this program that is in, in Club Maple Leafs, plug for Club Maple Leafs if you have children. Get them on it. Um, and so we gave like a, a iPad to the players or and we're like, okay, swipe through and see if you can guess who's, oh, who's who. who. Yeah. And I think there was maybe like 12 players. And some of them like some of them went like 12 for 12. And some of them went like three for 12. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when Matt Martin did it, uh, Mitch Marner was there and he was like, Mitch, come and help. So it's like Matt with Mitch swiping through, trying to guess which is their yeah, teammates. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I was just like, yes, okay. So competitiveness is the key to all Everything. of this. <laughs> and we see that with uh, we did the Leaf to Leaf program yes. earlier this year. Yeah. We have the the staring competition yeah. between <laughs> um, Austin and Freddie yeah. that became you know 
very popular on the internet for just the whole absurdity or the face off series which was about the, the video game competition which uh you gotta get you guys gotta Austin do a Fortnite. Uh, yeah series. honestly uh, man yeah but see you can't do Fortnite. i think in like five minute rounds no no, <laughs> no that needs to be like a devoted night marathon yeah, yeah yeah exactly so it's not like how do we turn six hours you? to 90 seconds yeah, of tv really. you know yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or like into 12 six minute series sure yeah, sure yeah or something like that and and the other thing is also like everyone can kind of have a go at nhl 18 and be like there was there was guys there who had never played nhl right. 18 before mm -hmm. um and so they still Fortnite's not like that you no know. you gotta know what you're doing man <laughs> yeah look i've been tempted to have a crack at it and then i remember that i'm not a video game sure. person and i don't have it. any time so i was like just just go on with your really, life it's the best. i think my thing with the fidget spinner thing was like i just want to try to have some fun with I'm i just want to try to get some things out of it you know yeah and yeah i want to get some stuff out of these guys that they're maybe not used to kind of revealing and get some competitive sense and again the questions were not crazy it was like this or this it was like really rapid fire questions yeah. and at some point i think i took too long asking the guys someone was like i don't remember who it was like yo hurry up man i'm trying to get, <laughs> trying to get some answers here you know spinning. i'm still spinning this thing so uh, i don't know it was enjoyable for me to to do that and they were i hope they enjoyed watch. it as well I yeah i really enjoyed the Thanks. ones yeah. that i saw yeah yeah now you, you you mentioned earlier you did everything growing up you had yeah. you know uh sports and theater and everything else and then you had an experience uh mm -hmm. when you were 17 16 16 yeah uh that completely changed yeah. i think your whole outlook it and basically really stopped all of those things that i that i tried to do yeah, what so, i was doing so yeah i wouldn't even want to begin to sure start. yeah no like so when i was 16 i guess about a month and a half away from turning 17 actually it's so funny because we talked about the theater and the sports and i just uh uh, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 16 years old, okay? It was like the end of May when it happened. The week before was when I was Linus in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, on stage, like trying to catch my breath after every, uh, every, every, I guess, scene or every, like, line because I felt like something was going on. And that weekend leading up to the diagnosis, I was playing in a soccer tournament, and I remember heading the ball and just kind of fainting because I was like something and I, I knew something was wrong and we made the finals of the soccer tournament i was the captain of our team i didn't play i couldn't play i physically could not get up to play i didn't know what was wrong uh and so i went to the doctor the next day and uh to just get x-rays i was like i can't like breathe properly and the doctors there were just like oh it just looks like you have an enlarged heart like no big deal we'll get your medicine we'll treat this like no problem so i said cool next day i, I fainted at my house again and so we went to emergency uh like you know how you gotta wait in emergency yeah. didn't wait like i told them the symptoms or my mom told them the symptoms and it was right in the back door and i didn't leave the hospital for three weeks because that's when they found that it wasn't in a large heart it was a tumor that grew on top of my heart that was about two and a half times the size of it wow. and um yeah obviously life-changing right and perspective changing and you know every everything right it, it was a completely uh, surreal moment like the i remember vividly when the doctors came in and said hey it's cancer and the reaction and the outlook and everything was so blurred at the time and uh yeah no it 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 was what changed my life and directly led me to where i am right now too which we can get to in a little bit but uh yeah that you know everything i had done leading up to that the the sports the job the theater and ban everything stopped because i physically couldn't do anything anymore and and you're in a, a an age in your life when so much of who you are is developing. Yeah, 16 is supposed to be like that age, right? You're yeah. getting your license, you're about to go to university, like you're on the verge of going to university, you just like, figuring you know, out life is opening up. Yeah, 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 you're working and this and that, and then this thing just smacks you in the face, and you're like, now what? Like, come on, you know, like what? Like, how did this happen, you know? And I didn't do anything to have it happen, it just happens, right? That's the yeah. thing with like, you know, illnesses and medicine, it just, it's beyond like with the scope of what you can imagine sometimes, right? And so, 
uh, this thing happens. And again, I, I remember the day, like they, they tell me you have cancer and I see my parents crying and it's like a sight I will never forget, but it's what triggered me to like think positive about it. It's what triggered me immediately to be like, you know what, we're going to get this. We're going to figure this out. It doesn't matter. I had no idea what the diagnosis, what the prognosis was, what the plan was, but I was like, no, I can't have what I see behind me with my parents and tears happen again. That's not going to happen if I can be responsible for it. And I just said, we're going to go beat this thing no matter what it is. And you know, we're still here so today. And what did, what did yeah. that require? Yeah, so it was two years of chemotherapy, like like intense, intense chemotherapy. And I'll take you through like the timeline. Um, I was just finishing grade 11 at the time when I got diagnosed, like a month left or a couple weeks left. And they decided I'd have to forego the exams, which I mean, blessing in disguise, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, my marks were obviously good. I was a good student and got to, you know, go to grade 12, obviously, and do my thing. And the doctors were like, no, like, take the year off, like, figure out your treatment and then, you know, go back. And I was like, no, like, we're not going to do that, you know? Like, my parents built a life on, on obstacles and challenges and, you know, leaving countries and being forced into camps, refugee camps here and there. And then they're here doing this thing. And they've always taught me that, like, you just got to go, right? With every, if everyone stopped, this is what the thing I remember, someone told me this, everyone stopped at every challenge that came in their way, nobody would move forward because everybody goes through stuff, right? And so this was my thing and I was like, no, I'm going to do this. So uh, while getting chemo, I completed grade 12. I would take exams home. I would spend weeks in the hospital and finish like book reports and whatever, whatever. And teachers were very accommodating and my average was as high as it could be. And I got accepted into Western in the pre-Ivy program. I thought I was going to go to business school and be a investment banker and be that guy or whatever. Um, there was a lot of us that made that. Yeah. That plan. We were like, I'm going to go be a lawyer. And then you're like, maybe not. You kind of yeah. end up where we are by accident. Not yeah. by no, accident completely. per se, but yeah, like yeah, no, as no, no. like a deep you, backup plan almost, you yeah, know? And no, I don't even think it's a backup plan. You just realize that that path that you thought was right for you wasn't right, right. for you. And that you shouldn't be wasting your time doing <laughs> something you don't want to do. Yeah, we'll get to that, I guess, in a <laughs> second. But uh, so, I mean, I go through a year of treatment, okay? And I finish grade 12. I lose my hair. I'm like fluctuating with weight and my my like my strength is gone. Like I have no like energy and stuff, but we still did it. And I was like summertime, the regiment was like lessened. It was like, we could taper off the chemo a little bit, but you know, we still had to do it for another year. So I was like, you know what? Summertime this summer, before I go to Western, we're going to chill. I decided like, we're still going to go to university in September with everybody else. And the sick kids where I was treated, thank thankfully, uh, were able to transfer my files to a children's hospital in London where they could continue my treatment. So it's July now, summertime. I'm like, no, I'm going to take this summer. I'm going to like, this is, I'm going to live, you know? Like I didn't, I had this year that like changed my life. I'm going to live, you know? And like a week in, I was having surgery on both my hips because uh, one of the medicines that they gave me to treat the cancer, which was necessary to save my life, I will always say that, um, the, one of the rare side effects of it is that it stops the blood flow to long joints in your body, like shoulders and your hips. And so it messed up my hips and I had to have both my hips operated on. And I was on bed rest for the final eight weeks of that summer. Well, the only eight weeks of that summer leading up uh, to university. And again, doctors are like, no, take the year off. Like you still have to go through treatment, like chemo wise, you still have to figure out how to basically walk again. I was like, nah, like we're just going to go like to university. And if I figured if I could get out of the wheelchair or bed rest before I left for university, I was going to do it. And two days before I left for university, they said, hey, you're clear. Here's two crutches. Good luck. And uh, my parents were like, oh, crap. Like, it happened. Like, he's got to go now, you know? I was like, yeah. Uh, so we went to university with crutches and going through a year of treatment and, you know, took an extra wow. year, figured Did out. Did your parents ever doubt that, though? Like, knowing you. <sighs> and that you're I don't know if they doubted it. That's a good question. That's a real good question. I don't know if they doubted it. If they did, they never told me. But, you know, they were in my corner the whole time. Yeah. I feel like they were apprehensive and scared, as any parent would be, of their kid going through something like this and then going to a new city without them being close. Um, but they never told me that, right? They yeah. just had this belief that, you know, hey, go. We got yeah. you. Like, whatever happens, we got you. It's okay. Uh, and it was tough, right? Like, the first year of university was like a real 
you know, change, like it perspective was like, I didn't do very well, switch courses from business to psychology. It started though, speaking about my story more, you know, and that's, I, it started when uh, my residence advisor at Western uh, was like, hey, do you want to come speak to grade 12 students? They're coming in on a tour. Uh, do you want to speak to them? I'm like, do you want me to speak to them on how not to succeed in university? Because I could do that like very, very well. Uh, how not to study hard in first year? I got you then, you know? And <laughs> oh, she's I like, think a lot of us have yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, she's like, no, I think, you know, it'd be cool if you shared your story with them and I gave them a sense of perspective. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, obviously, I, you know, talk about my story to people around me and stuff, but it was never something I did formally. Uh, and so I did it to these kids and everyone was crying. And I was like, holy do I, is this something like I can do? It was your normal, sure, right? And yeah. then, but that story, it's a very powerful story. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I don't know, that led me to start my own motivational speaking company, which, uh, you know, allowed me to share my story a lot more to kids all over this country. And You've I've done been, Ted talks. Yeah. I've done Ted talks and, uh, uh, which was my goal. Honestly, when I started speaking, I was like, I want to do a Ted talk one day. And then I got to do it a year ago, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, but, um, it, it's so funny because, the cancer led to me speaking about my story for the very first time, which, uh, you know, gives you the confidence that you can speak about other things. When, when, when you can command a crowd to like listen to you for a long time, I feel like there's a power that comes with that. And so I like to talk about my story because I think it shares a good message, but I love to talk about sports more than anything. And as I evolved through sharing my story and becoming a better speaker, uh, and, and, and as I approached the last year of university, I decided I was just going to start a sports blog and, you know, post a bunch of videos and podcasts and whatever. Right. And um, I had no real plan for when I finished university. I was going to graduate with a degree in psychology. I was debating going into sports psychology because I love sports so much that I wanted it to be a part of my life in some capacity. But then I started this blog. It had like a monicum of success. It had a weird cult following that was really cool to me, you know, and uh, it led me to apply to sports broadcasting college. I got accepted into the College of Sports Media in Toronto. And while I was there, I got hired by The Score. And the day I signed with The Score, Sportsnet bought them out. And instead of taking three weeks to train, I was on TV the next day. And I, I literally say, like, if I was not diagnosed with cancer, I don't know if I would be where I am today. And it's uh, that's like the message I tell people. It's like, it's life is going to throw its challenges to you. Life is going to have its obstacles that come in your way. But it's it's on you to, like, look for the perspective in all of that. It's, for, it's on you to find the silver lining. It's on you to make the best out of whatever the situation is. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for that day, that first day I was diagnosed and I decided that I'm going to try to be as positive as possible through all of this because if I'm not, I don't think I'm sitting here right now talking, you know, to you guys. I don't think I'm going to Dunedin to cover the Blue Jays and racing down to cover Tiger Woods in the same day or I don't think I get to... <laughs> fidget spin with the maple leaves you know <laughs> i don't think that's it my sounds, life right it now it sounds like the, the fidget spinning with the maple leaf sounds like a slightly different scale <laughs> to the other two. no but it's all the same like it all comes with being where i am yep. and, and being with my job and and i don't get to have that fun if i don't you know immediately have that perspective at 16 years old and again a lot of people struggle to find that perspective in life at any point right and mm -hmm. i was very uh, the word's not fortunate i guess but you know it hit me in the face at such a young age, and well, and, and you're you fortunate that that's what you took yeah, in the situation, yes, rather yes, than yes, allowing the situation sure. to overwhelm yeah. yes, and define absolutely, what came next. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it's the the way you articulate it is a, a gift. And what's great about it is that when you when and, and this is a story you know I've heard before, obviously. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but each time you tell it, it's a it's it's a stark reminder to people like myself who. Quite honestly, I mean, I haven't had any major illnesses. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a middle-class household. Yeah, uh, knock on marble, marble and that sure. sort of thing. You know, the, the struggle for me hasn't been in that in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, 
I take tremendous personal inspiration from Thank it. Thank you, man. And it's yeah. something that, you know, I think sometimes we just all need a, a reminder that, hey, you got a good right now. Enjoy this because that's not a guarantee. For Absolutely. The rest of your life. And I think, again, the thing is, when I share my story, it, it like it'll start with me, sh you know, saying that I had cancer and this. But the main message I want to give to people is that, like, we all have our struggles, right? They're not right. going to be as big as being diagnosed with cancer. And sometimes they're as small as, hey, getting fired from a job or failing an exam or breaking up with our significant other or fighting with our parents or not having money or whatever. We all have problems in our life and it's, it's fine. Life is about having problems. But again, life is about how you respond to those problems as well. So if I can give them a sense of perspective to you know, change their first reaction from, oh my God, this sucks to, okay, how are we going to attack this? Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Again, it's not yeah. about sharing my story and making me look, it's not that at all. It's about sharing the message that I learned at a young age and hoping that message can translate to whoever the age group or whatever the age group of the audience that I'm speaking to at the time is. And I've been able to speak to kids as young as like eight years old. My sister's a teacher. And so I speak at her school every year and it's amazing. They're, those kids are the best, right? And uh, they're, they're <laughs> are you like healthy now? Like what is cancer? And the, the, the questions are amazing, but you can tell they get something from it. And I speak to parents and adults as well that, you know, just about, you know, talking to their kids and, you know, being there for their kids through whatever they support as well, because uh, I think all of that's important. And I got a sense of that scale when I was, you know, diagnosed with this. And so, um, that was the thing. And again, like if it doesn't happen, I'm not, I'm not here right now. And, I don't meet Matt Sandin either, to be <laughs> fair as well. If that didn't happen, I don't meet Matt Sandin, which is uh, uh, a crazy story too. Well, I mean, I guess we got to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. So what so, happened? So I was in the hospital, right? Sick kids. And I know the Leafs are so, so good. In fact, all the Toronto sports teams are so good at going to the hospital and being there for the kids that were, you know, that are, you know, going through things that are so, so unfair and things that they certainly don't deserve to be going through, right? But when these teams come in and these athletes come in, it puts a smile on the face of these kids that, you know, even for a couple minutes makes them forget about what's going on. So... Um, the Leafs were there one day. I uh, didn't know that. I think I was going through treatment, and so I didn't get a chance to see them. And so my uncle, who was there at the hospital with me at the time, a huge Leaf fan as well, probably the guy that you know made the posters on my wall show up and <laughs> have like the mini sticks in my house. He would always get me Leaf stuff growing up. Uh, he was in the hospital. He was, I think he was in the elevator going down to get food. And in the elevator is Matt Sandin and a PR person and another Maple Leaf, which we'll get to in a second. Um, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. And he's like, listen, guys, you have to come see my nephew. Like, he's the biggest Leaf fan, biggest Sundin fan. And the PR person's like, oh, like, we're just on our way out. Like, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, no, like, you have to have to come. And uh, they're like, okay, we'll come. I don't think he told them I was like a 16-year-old guy at the time. But, I mean, I don't think they would have come. He has facial hair, but he's a huge fan. We promise. So he goes down. Yeah, honestly. So he goes down, buys a disposable camera because there's no, like, we don't have, like, phones. I didn't have a phone at the time. That's how 16 year old and you know 12 years ago didn't have a phone like right. what are you ancient <laughs> yes right i am but um uh he gets his disposable camera matt sandine comes in the room and he's like hey like i'm matt sandine i'm like I, like i know who you are yeah. like i, <laughs> I, I know who you are sandine. you know and i was like Osher, he was my favorite player growing up i wore number 13 because i love matt sandine my walls were i did projects on him as a kid because that was like Did my you role tell model him all of this? yeah Please tell me you yeah tell i told him all, all of this. this like i like to talk i didn't shy <laughs> from saying any of this i was not a shrinking violet in this situation so this guy uh matt sandin this guy uh sandin is signing like this you know whatever this paper he took a picture and there's this other guy that's about to sign something and my uncle's like sorry who are you and he's like oh i'm alexei ponikorovsky and i was like all right like cool man like you do your thing too should we all take a picture let's all take a picture uh, <laughs> 
Uh, oh, so, poor guy. Uh, so we do that. And, and the funny thing is. Now, did you know it was Alexi Ponikarovsky? I think I low key did, but I was so awestruck by yeah. like. Yeah. You, you, know, you were stuck on maps. I was still at that age where like. It, uh, like athletes were not my role models per se, but I was still like, oh my God, like yeah. it's Madison Dean, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like, right. as you get older, like that nostalgia kind of waves, but mm -hmm. not at that age, not after everything I went through and having him be there at that time was like ridiculous. And so the funny thing about that was we never developed that digital camera. We never ever developed it until. Oh, thank God. Until. <laughs> I thought I you lost like, it. No. I was like, no, these well, photos. No. Well, it just sat in my in my room in my basement forever and ever and ever and ever and ever until last year. Okay, last year was the ten year mark of me being cancer free, and Sportsnet so graciously did a story on my family and I and the tribulations that we did as a part of a campaign I was doing for sick kids yeah. to try to raise money and toys for them, which is something I've done for two years. So Sportsnet was like, no, like we want to make this big. Let's do a story on you. I was like, sure, let's do a story on me. Okay, let's try to get this word out there as much as we can. So I figured it would be good if we had pictures from the hospital. And I was like, they're all on this camera that I've never seen in my life. I can't, like, couldn't remember where it was. I just moved. So my room in my basement of my parents' house is now like a mess of things I didn't take with me, right? So I am go there one day and I'm going through a bunch of stuff. And I was like, I find two digital cameras. And I was like, okay, who in 2017, I guess at the time, We'll develop digital cameras. And this place in Toronto did, and I got them the cameras, and they're like, one of these, I can't develop the film is too whatever. I was like, oh, man, Please I hope it's not be. this one. <laughs> and then uh, they're like, we could do another one. We can send you digital copies. I'm like, sure, send me digital copies. And it's the one with Matt wow. Sandin and everything. The pictures are, like, faded because the film was faded, but it's clear enough where and you could see I had no hair. Sandin had no hair. I was like, hey, cool. <laughs> uh, he's a big dude, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big yeah. dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Alexi Ponikarovsky kind of hovering around there. He's like, yo, can I get in on this? Like, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Um, He's like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here kind of thing, yeah. So I, I have the pictures now, and they're cr it's crazy to have them, and it's crazy to have seen them a decade later because I, I think it was one of the defining memories of my time in the hospital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, like, positive, you know, like, personal memories. There were a lot of other, obviously, associations, but uh, I couldn't believe that we never developed that film, and we did eventually, and it was, like, ridiculous to see it. Would Matt's be one of the people that you most would like to interview nowadays Ooh, that's interesting in what you do because obviously you have a connection yeah. there that yeah, yeah, is yeah. not based on who Matt's was just as an athlete sure yeah that, I think that's a fair thing to say I think Matt and I think Vince Carter to be honest because oh. those were the two guys growing yeah. up that I was like they define I love you guys part of you know yeah. I love you guys I and mean, yeah you are what made me like go from a fan to like in love with you yeah. guys as, as in in love with your teams as you know a, a teenager and a kid growing up Mine you know what I mean is Awkwardly, Matt Stager. Okay, yeah, 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 he, was yeah. My guy. he was my guy, <laughs> and he was, you know, what got me yeah. into the Leafs sure. and sport and several of the friends I have. So, like, yours are a little bit bigger name. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's the thing. But Everyone has their connection, yeah, right? Know, like, Everyone has connection. their connection to certain players, and yeah. I think and having those reasons don't aren't necessarily logical <laughs> no. or like stats driven. No. Yeah, yeah, so like my Matt Sandin reason is not because he was the best player, of the, you know, the team that I love. He was because the guy wasn't like he's you a know great guy. he was a great guy, he right? Was, and yeah. it'd be so cool to you know. Have, what do you think you'd ask Stockton? That's a really good question, man. Like, <laughs> and what would you and, and to follow that up, what would you ask Vince? Yeah, Vince, like, why'd you go, man? <laughs> hey, Vince, like, why'd you <laughs> leave? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> like why, Vince, why did you do this? Yeah, like Vince, you know, you saw the love here. What happened? But Matt is different, right? Maybe Matt is like, why didn't you waive your no trade clause in yeah. like, you know, that year? <laughs> you know, we could have got some assets back to this team. It took a while, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd ask him. I, I and, and 
now that I think about it, I don't even know if I'd want to interview him anymore because I just feel like I, I don't want to get another perspective of him yeah. other than the one that yeah. I have now yeah. that I think about no, it. Vince, no, I want to ask him sense. some questions. Yeah. yeah, I have some questions yeah. for that guy. No, okay. I've Vince, come around on him. I've come around on him and him and I are, you know, we're Help cool now. That. You know? We're cool. Help but, me with that because yeah. there has been a rehabilitation of Vince Carter's yeah, image yeah, in the really city, has. especially in the last two or three years. And I think, listen, he, you know, Damon Stoudemire might have been the first star that this that the Raptors had, but Vince Carter put Toronto. Vince was a superstar. He put Vince them on made the map. them on ESPN. Vince made the attention yeah. of this team go down south, which is what they're craving right now, you know? Yes. And so, uh, and he yeah, deserves... we don't get a lot of broadcast games down there. Yeah, no, we, we don't. It's not mm. bad. It's better, though. Anyways, better. Anyways, better. Um, what, what, how do you feel about that? And, well, and how do you how do you square it up? So I think like in my adulthood now, in my like late twenties, I can look back and you know have a perspective on what Vince meant to not just Toronto but Canada basketball, right? Like mm-hmm. he's the guy that allowed this new wave of players to be there. Like he was the inspiration for guys like Andrew Wiggins and you know R.J. Barrett, who's going to be the next like not maybe not even Canadian superstar like superstar. And Corey yep. Joseph grew up watching Vince Carter and Tristan Thompson grows up watching Vince Carter. And these guys are perennial players in the NBA right now that have won championship rings and that are there because this guy made it cool to wear purple in a city that was revolving around hockey at the time. You know, and yep. um, he made it cool. And and I think. Again, as a guy with perspective, I can look back and see the long-term effect of what he did. I can still be mad that he left the city and didn't want to be part of the team after there was such a hype around them. But uh, I can appreciate what he meant to the city and what he meant for this team and what he meant for me growing up, too, because he made me like this sport that I think, again, I connect to more than any other one right now. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd ask him, he probably wouldn't answer, or he probably would be like, eh, you know, it was just a time. And I saw the Carter Effect, a movie that was, you know, made and it was beautiful and like it made me cry and all this, <laughs> all this nostalgia comes cries out of movies, and stuff. Facebook and music, cries at movies, okay? <sighs> I'm like pretty emotional. Hey, it's cool hey, though. Don't pretend you've never cried over a a movie or b sport. I have. Because I, did you yeah. when I got married. Uh, I did cry when I got See, married. That's cool. So yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Cry when I got married. Yeah. I mean, I cry. I cry over sports commercials on TV. So yeah. like, I ain't judging nobody. Oh yeah. Okay. So to wrap it up here. Yeah. Since we're talking about crying, because this, by the way, this conversation went way too fast. It always does. But yeah. wrap it up. When was the last time you cried at a sporting event? Go. Oh, I don't know if cried I cried over cried over sports. Um, I won an Australian Ice Hockey League championship. Uh, and I was standing on the bench when the final seconds ticked, or we're standing next to it when the final seconds ticked down, and we climbed onto the bench as all the players dived over the bench, and I stood there and I cried, because I'd been involved in the sport for eight or nine years, mm-hmm. and had never got to be part of a winning team, and so I think I cried at that. Like, I cried a little bit at various Leafs things, because, like, the moment is cool. I cried at the Johnny Bauer yeah. Memorial, mm-hmm. but, like, that was, like, that... The sport event. That yeah. was what made me cry. I can't even think of the last time I cried. I cried when I got hit in the face in the championship game with the baseball and they scored two runs and one because oh. I was shortstop and the ball kicked off a rock, hit me in the face and I woke <laughs> up and we had lost. It was two outs. It was oh. like that scenario. You're like two outs, like one out needed. You win the championship. We're up by one and there's two guys on. The ball's coming to me at shortstop. I'm like sure-handed there. I'm like, I got this. Hits a rock, hits me in the face. They scored two and we lose. And I was like, oh, what? Did I do this? <laughs> like, did I do this? I'm like blacked out oh, somewhere. Oh, that's and heartbreaking. Like, and, but I was a kid, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I got my, uh, my Pinky skated over once in a hockey game, and I don't think I cried. I was bleeding, and I looked at it, and I was like, okay. Then I cried, you know? (laughs) And so uh, I fell on the ice while I was interviewing, like, an athlete last year, and 
that, like, that, I did not agree. on the verge of shedding tears and pain, <laughs> oh, yeah, but I've not at a sporting event. Like, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. No. I, uh, but I don't think I've cried. Sporting event? At a sporting event uh, recently. The, the, the first year the Leafs had Curtis Joseph, they make a surprise run and they go meet the Buffalo Sabres in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Final and they lose in six games. And on the sixth game, I'm watching with my family, and I'll wrap this up quick because I know we're running out of time. It was so devastating to me that I wasn't going to get to watch them go to the Stanley Cup Finals that, you know when you cry yeah. and your whole body heats? <laughs> yep. And yes. you almost are, are like nauseous. And yep. I don't think my parents knew so what like to do. It's like a semi-monthly like, occurrence. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last Drake concert, like that's what I did. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but as I say, don't don't cry because it ended something like that, right? Smile because it happened. Is yeah, that, yeah, that exactly. Don't cry because it happened. I don't know. Yeah. All right, well. Just yeah. cry. I'll let you wrap this hey. up. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, coming thanks, on. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Real pleasure to be here. Thanks. Thank you.